You're listening to Questionable Material with Jack and Brian, a mostly improvised podcast produced in New York by Jack Helmuth and Brian Sack. QMPodcast.com. Painting consultants. Hi, I was wondering if you could, I, I just moved into uh, my new house in uh, Connecticut and I was wondering if you could Congratulations, sir. Connecticut Thanks. is a great state. Yep. I've moved into my new house in Connecticut and I, yep. uh, I'm white, so I fit right in. And yes. the thing that it doesn't fit in is the paint in my house. I'd like mm. to do it so I can start unpacking. Well, uh, then you need someone to kind of guide you through the painting process is what you're, We're, you're telling me. That's right. Fine. Uh, and, and how many rooms are we talking about? Uh, six, uh, uh, six bedrooms, six a bedrooms. giant living area, but I don't know, maybe 12, 13 rooms. And are there stairs? Yes, there are stairs. There are two sets of okay. stairs. Two sets of stairs. Okay. So we will need a Mexican. Uh, let's see. Um, okay. So I guess for that many rooms we're talking about, that's probably about a four hour painting ordeal. Uh, <laughs> well, first of all, I'm not sure I agree unless, unless you're going to have a team of 30 people in here, I imagine it would take longer, but also why do you call it a painting ordeal? Well, because it's a, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of schlepping. I got to go to the paint store. I got to buy all the paint for the paint uh, distributor. I've got to uh, unscrew the paint distributor. I've got to pour all the paint into the paint distributor. I've got to seal it up. I've got to activate its gas-powered engine, and I've got to clear out of there. I've got about 20 seconds before it really goes into paint distribution mode. <laughs> you know, I, I guess I'm not familiar, you know, I... I uh, maybe I'm a little bit more white collar. I, I don't know what this machine is and, and what it does. It, it sounds pretty amazing, although a little scary if you have to clear the way. Well, here's the thing. Um, are you familiar with the Roomba? Yes, absolutely. The robotic vacuum that just kind of meanders about your house. That's right. Okay. Now imagine a six foot wide ball that rolls around your house spraying paint. <laughs> okay. I can imagine that. And that is what our paint distributor does. Uh, it's tireless, of course, until it runs out of gasoline, but it, it gets plenty of mileage out of a couple of gallons of gas. And so what it does is it goes around your house distributing the paint. And then at some point when it reaches the stairs, that's when Juan Carlos comes in, in his white leotard, and he will, because it's disposable, and he will pick up the paint distributor and bring it up the staircase to the second level of your house or the basement, depending on what we're painting. And he'll fire mm -hmm. that thing up again. And he's got about 20 seconds to clear out of there before it starts doing its thing. Okay. Um, there, there are certain areas of the house that I don't want painted. And I'm not necessarily talking about rooms more. I'm talking about uh, panes of glass, uh, the floors, the electronics. And I feel like this device might um, put paint where I don't want it. Well, it, it does. It distributes paint. Yeah, it, it does. Um, it, it's not as discerning as say like a human. Mm -hmm. You got to, you know, you're going to get a human in there. He's going to, yeah, he's going to tape off certain parts. He's going to remove electrical plates. He's going to cover up your thermostat. He's going to maybe, you know, cover your furniture and things like that to prevent yeah. them from being painted. We don't have that luxury with a paint distributor. 
It's going to paint. Its job is to paint. Its passion is to paint. It was created in a laboratory by a gentleman whose motto was paint the earth. (laughs) And therefore it it does its job and it does its job quite well. Mm -hmm. Except when it gets to a doorway. (laughs) Cause it is six feet wide and it does have issues getting through doorways. So it does its best. It distributes the paint in there as much as it can. Yeah, I mean, I'm six foot tall, and it's, uh, I can't imagine something six foot wide. I feel like wouldn't make it through just some of the doorways in the in the downstairs area. That is the most common complaint in our Google reviews, and I'll be honest <laughs> with you. <laughs> well, th- thank you for your honesty. All right, so uh, can you tell me a little bit about? You know, I always like to vet who comes into my home, especially my new uh, home that I can barely afford. Tell me about mm-hmm. like Juan Carlos. Well, he's from the Yucatan Peninsula. <laughs> a little town to- called Dos Taquerias, which okay. uh, means two taquerias, uh, <laughs> which is a misnomer because there's only one. Oh, that's weird. Tacos Diablo went out of business 25 years ago. Oh, my God. Yeah. Tragic so story one, in there, I think. Okay. And exactly. And, and he, he left because of that. He was, he was an aspiring taquerist uh, when he <laughs> saw that the community there wasn't receptive to more taco uh, creating places. He, he left, mm-hmm. he left the Yucatan and he, he did what many people do is he just strolled in through the Rio Grande. Uh, mm-hmm. He was placed on a bus at our expense and, and shipped off uh, here. He's up, up here near Connecticut. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a strange journey. Um, I, I can't afford to go down to Mexico. It's weird that he can afford to come up here. Well, uh, you know, and he thanks you for it. You know, he's, he's eternally grateful. He he tells me all the time, thank you so much for footing the bill for this. And I'm sorry that your brother-in-law uh, is going to take 14 years to get his uh, green card. Because <laughs> I'm the idiot. I'm doing it um, the legit way. And I'm just a fool. I'm a fool. And I know that. Yeah, that's that's right. So, I, and, and you're on 14 years of trying to get your uh, brother-in-law, what, what, like from Canada in here? Yeah. Just takes yeah. a little, t- takes a little longer when you do it the legal way. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, well, I think Juan Carlos has got this whole thing figured out. He's got the whole thing figured out. And he came up with an idea, uh, which I thought was great because of course, when you, you know, our paint distributor comes up to a closet or whatever and has issues getting through the door, uh, Juan mm-hmm. Carlos will in, in his white leotard or his pre, it started off white. He'll roll around on the floor, which is of course covered in paint. And then he will run into the room and just kind of rub himself against the walls to kind of get the spots that the paint distributor missed. Now, I'll be honest, he's not getting way up there. Mm-hmm. You're talking about five feet maximum if he's putting his arms up in the air and just kind of rolling against the wall. How old is this Juan Carlos? Uh, he's 37. <laughs> and he seems exceptionally short. Is He's from the Yucatan Peninsula. They're not known for being tall. There's no mm-hmm. uh, basketball players coming from the Yucatan Peninsula. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, But they are lovely people and they do great things with corn. Okay. Well, that's, that's great. And, um, but he's, you know, he's got a, a state, he's been, you know, checked background checked. He's, he's a, a safe, uh, reputable, uh, 37 year old man. So he, he, he gets there right and early. He's really happy to do the job. He's very grateful to be here in this country with okay. opportunities. Uh, we don't talk about his past. Uh, he okay. doesn't talk about his past. He was a Sicario <laughs> and, um, you know, it was an ugly time. The mm-hmm. cartel was really the only the only way for him to get the money and the prestige that he yearned for as a young teenager. 
Right. But he eventually saw the light, uh, the light being the Federales, and so he fled. <laughs> Made his way I here. I see. I see. Okay. But he doesn't, he doesn't do that anymore. He doesn't like it. He, he's first thing he'll say when he meet you, and you'll meet him. Uh, mm-hmm. First thing he's going to say is, I, I know we had you. I know we had you. Well, that's very reassuring, actually. And he'll give, yeah, he'll give you like a reassuring glance and he'll take out his machete and he'll show you and he's like, and he'll point at your neck and be like, no, no. So, you know, he's all about okay. paint. <laughs> I I guess so. Um, all right. Yeah. And, and then, and then we, I'll basically just use him as a, as a paint sponge. He is in many ways a paint sponge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's not, he's not a language sponge because he, he doesn't speak any English, <laughs> but he is a paint right. sponge. He, he okay. will absorb as much paint as possible. He will press it into as many corners uh, as possible. And I, I think you will like the results. Okay. And, um, but you know, before I go ahead and book this, how much does this cost? Uh, well, I said, I said about four hours. Yep. It's about, uh, $80 an hour. So 80 times okay. four, of course, being 320. Yep. Okay. Juan Carlos does like tips. <laughs> okay. You're free to tip him when you do tip him. And I, I, mm-hmm. I suggest you do, uh, give him his tip <laughs> in a Ziploc bag. Otherwise he gets paint on it and he tries to mm-hmm. use it. And the person, you know, doesn't accept it because it's covered in paint. And next thing they know, there's a pencil in their eye or uh, <laughs> they're being beaten to death with a cash register. So we want to avoid these things. We want to focus on the positive. Okay. He's there to paint. You're there to tip. <laughs> $320. I'd recommend at least 15% tip. Okay. Uh, and all we need to do is, is pick out the one color you'd like your entire house to be. <laughs> And and all this, this one color, the entire house, uh, for let's say three three hundred twenty dollars plus fifteen percent tip would be another forty eight. Let's round up and call that uh, about three hundred seventy dollar job. I uh, I would be thrilled to to sign it right here. Let's. This is, uh, I I feel like my family won't be safe, but you know what? After uh, moving expenses, let's do this thing. Let's be honest. You bit off more than you can chew. I'm I'm, I'm underwater. Hi, Brian. Hi, Jack. So I'm in my new house. Yeah, I can tell that because I see all the little paint splotches on the wall. You look yeah, like so, a, it looks so, like a cheetah. Wait, well, doesn't it look like my, my house has monkeypox? It looks like your house is in the gay community and has monkeypox <laughs> because it's been participating in orgies and it has has picked up this thing that has got splotches all over your walls. <laughs> well, you you've heard now though that uh that monkeypox uh, is a racist term. Oh, I should have assumed that was coming. I you know, I hadn't thought about it, but now that you've mentioned it, of course it's racist. It's true. Uh, that's uh, people are calling it temporarily until someone comes up with a new name, mpox or mpox, sort of like mm. mbop. Mm-hmm. From the the hit song from Hanson, and this would have been a better song for Hanson if if I may be so bold. Mm-hmm. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. How how did that go? Because I know they originally wrote some lyrics for Monkey Pox back in the day, and then the record label like got up and because they, they were new and everything, they sort of pushed it out. You know, how did do you remember how that went? 
Oh God, yeah, I'm thinking about. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, was, yeah. Mm, pox looking around at Cox. Mm, 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 pox, I'm feeling itchy on my legs. And then, um, and then the, I forget what the chorus was. Uh-huh. It was. It's not a gay thing. Not a gay thing. Not a gay thing. And then they move on. It's yeah. Yeah, but uh, monkeypox is now. Uh, this is true. This isn't me just making it up. Like, uh, you know what? It, I'm going to erase this term. I don't believe that to be true. Mm-hmm. I mean, I believe what you're saying that somebody has made this particular statement because everyone hears this stuff all the time. Yep. But I'm just saying, I the why? What makes it racist? I guess that it comes. From the Congo initially, and so I guess monkeypox doesn't sound good because it seems like it, I don't know, is African in origin, and that it's somehow yes, and it somehow and (laughs) and it somehow I guess then also shames the gay community where obviously it is, um, you know, prevalent. Yeah, that's very strange. Well, all I'm saying is your house looks like it has monkey box. <laughs> yeah. So there, for people who, I mean, can't see, which is all of you, this is a recorded medium. They're um, uh, behind me in uh, the, our little Zoom session here. There are eight different splotches on the, on a giant wall. So that's what Brian is talking about. Which splotch are you leaning toward? Uh, the, actually the, the one you can't see. Right uh, below, see the the top two, sort of that dark one and the yeah. light one. There's the row of three. They're There's one dark. right below them. I'm yeah. surprised she's going dark with this. It's going to darken the room, make it smaller. It is. Well, this is going to be my movie room, so it's going to sort of be like a little darker, oh. uh, like man cavier type of vibe. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense if you're going to be in there watching uh, TV, if you know what I mean. Yeah, movie uh, I do, and <laughs> I do know what you mean. And actually, you know what? A, what a great. Uh, segue to the thing I wanted to talk to you about right now. I don't know if you saw this, but NBC announced yesterday that they're uh, going to potentially be giving the third hour of nightly primetime programming back to the local affiliates. So the 10 o'clock hour of primetime, mm. one of the, you know, you know, uh, it's primetime TV, one of the biggest hours. It's where ER and Law and & Order and, you know, so many fantastic legendary shows have been. They're just going to give it back to the affiliates because, you know, um, uh, you know, TV is sort of fa- falling apart as a medium, at least, the, you know, the traditional broadcasts. Yeah, I can't, I mean, I, I can't remember the last time I, I watched NBC primetime. Yeah, well, it's... Which is a shame because I, I know they're, you know, they've contracted you to help come up with some like last ditch programming to sort of see if they can save the hour. Isn't that right? Oh, that's correct. They did. They reached out to me recently um, mm-hmm. and I spoke with them at length on the telephone oh, and great. agreed to to help them. Yeah. To help them with, with uh, the new, you know, f- fix their prime time problems. That's awesome. That's so cool. So well, I was wondering, you know, maybe could you tell us about some of the shows that you guys are going to try and save primetime with before, you know, where if these shows don't work, it's, it's, you know, just going to be like, you know, local stories about, uh, you know, some local tavern or whatever for an hour. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, thanks so much. So I, I know you had told me you were, that there's a show that you were specifically excited about that would be a, like a primetime programming for kids, which is very yes. strange considering, you know, 10 o'clock is really past bedtime. Um, 
So I was wondering if you could sort of tell us about your, your the kids show that you guys had developed um, for NBC to help save primetime. I can. Well, thanks. <laughs> do you have the title of it? Yeah, I do. It, yeah, it was, it's uh, called um, um, Brian and the Gang. Yeah. So basically, uh, I mean, I, not to seem egotistical or anything, but it centers around me <laughs> and a bunch of young kids who are enthralled with me and find me. <laughs> Just really entertaining and enjoyable, and they love my company, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, they're just impressed by by me in general. And um, and I'm always playing it down, like it's okay. Hey, calm down, calm down, because they get really riled up when they're talking to me, uh-huh. as if they're you know, as if they're speaking to like a deity or something. They're just like they're incredibly impressed. But that's wow. the gang. Okay. So of okay. Course, of course, it, uh, you know. Nowadays, you know, the gang. Now, normally I might have just done a bunch of white kids. Yep. And you can't do that anymore. No, you can't. Got to be diverse. So I went, I went for the full diverse package. I've, I've pretty much got one of each. Okay. So, I mean, you, you name it, we've got it and, and we'll use it. <laughs> how, how, how many, geez, how many kids then are you, do you have there as part of the gang? I was 84 because the, the gender <laughs> thing really screws it up. Cause they, they're just so many of them. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And you know, Edmund is quantum gender. So it's, that's a whole, <laughs> I mean, uh, that, that I can't even, um, that's a tough one. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah, mm-hmm. cause technically if you can see him, he's not there. I don't know. It's really weird to me. <laughs> the whole quantum thing is really confusing. Yeah. It's a level that of is, science. Um, I, just, I don't feel comfortable with. No, I, I know you don't. You've talked about that at length. Uh, well, that's so okay. So, the, the, so Brian and the gang. So, I understand their fa- their fascination and and uh, obsession with you. But, but what you know, what happens on the show? What what you know? What what are viewers watching? Well, I mean, every episode centers around um, uh, my need for a bottle of wine, <laughs> and so of course we change the circumstances all the time. Mm-hmm. So. You know, one, one is set in the, the 1912, the sinking of the Titanic. And, you know, me and the gang were all in these rowboats, you know, and we're floating in the, in the North Atlantic. And right. Our boats, because there's 84 of us, our boats are all kind of tied together. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of like a floating island of people who love me. And, and I, I, I stand up and I'm like, oh, man, I'm cold. You know, it warm me up. A bottle of nice burgundy. <laughs> And they, everybody kind of looks at one another, yep. you know, with that, that look like, oh, how do we, how do we break the news to Brian, who we love, who was so yeah. great. And, you know, they're just kind of looking at one another. And because there's 84 of them, like the 84 is, you know, glances, it takes, it's like about 12 to 15 minutes of just them looking at one another. Yeah. And we got to fill a long an hour. reaction shot. <laughs> yeah. yeah well, you know, I got to fill an hour and I didn't have a lot of plot. And, and so they're just looking at one another and looking at one another. And then finally, uh, one guy, uh, his name is Berkeley. Yep. He's a gay black guy in a wheelchair. And he, <laughs> he's like, Mr. Sack, Brian, you know, I was like, yeah. And he goes, I love you so much. I was like, thank you, Berkeley. And he goes, listen, there's no wine anywhere to be found in any of these lifeboats. Yep. And I said, where's the wine? There, there was so many bottles of wine on that ship and they all got, kind of looked down. Yep. In the ocean, they all, and I'm like, oh, and they, we look in the water. I look down and you see yeah. Jack sinking <laughs> into the water, just the, his, his lifeless body sinking away. Uh-huh. And then this whimpering woman who's uh, lying on a, on like a door 
Yeah. I see her and I'm like, and I was like, you're not part of the gang. And I just kind of flip her over. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. And I was like, go find the wine. And then you kind of see her just drifting away. <laughs> too. And, and so then, you know, so now we've got a dilemma, right? You know, I want right. a bottle of Burgundy. Uh, there's no, none to be found there. There are thousands of feet now below the, the right. surface. And these kids who are water. freezing in the water need, need to figure out how to solve this problem to get Brian his wine. Yeah. Cause I mean, you know, it's, it's only a matter of time before they all, you know, they either freeze it, hypothermia. A lot of them had jumped in the water before uh, I had someone pull them out of it. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I, um, they, except for, uh, Timote couldn't pull anybody out cause he's, <laughs> he has no arms, but, um, but he's got a great personality. <laughs> Okay, so, that's great. So how, so how did, yeah, go ahead. How does this end? Well, so we're, we're drifting, right? We're, we're drifting and we're you know, like, so what do we do? We sure are. Well, uh, so <laughs> what happens is one of, one of my gangs, sadly, he expires. Oh, geez. Yeah. And I'm like, does anybody have grape seeds? <laughs> and they're like, what are you talking about? Like, cause we can plant grape seeds on his body and grow some vines. <laughs> And they're like, Brian, you're, that, you're, that's crazy talk. That's, you know, that, that would take for, forever in the North Atlantic. This isn't the right climate for Burgundy. And he had a very good point. And, yeah. And, uh, and he was a, a queer um, gentleman from, I, I believe, Peru. Mm -hmm. um, and and he, he, my, with the asexual one comes to me uh -huh. and the, and the non-binary one. Right. And, you know, I'm just look, looking at both of them. I'm like, what do we do? Uh, how, okay. How do we get wine? Yeah. <laughs> and the answer is, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Well, damn. So, well, no wonder. This is why NBC is turning to local affiliates. I mean, that's just, you got to finish the job, Brian. Well, so there's an iceberg. So I'm looking for the iceberg and I, <laughs> I tell the kids to, you know, to climb up on that iceberg and find, find some wine. Okay. And of course, you know, they'll do whatever I tell them. Of course. They're they so enamored with me. But at the end of the day, there's no wine to be found in an iceberg, which is a lesson for you and for me. <laughs> okay. So that's sort of, is so you like to have like a lesson at the end of every show. It's a, it's a every show is a lesson. And the lesson there is uh, I get very serious. I'm like, see kids. There's no wine to be found in an iceberg. And I, I walk around the iceberg and I show them that it's just like snow and ice. Hence right. the name. Right. Nothing grows. Right. In it. Nothing grows in it. Right. Nothing grows in the iceberg or in Timote. No, Timote was the kid who had no arms. Oh, that's right. He has a great personality and he was trying to help people into the boat, but couldn't. But he was just like entertaining them as they were trying to climb their way back in fighting off the hypothermia. Right. <laughs> well, I, like, I you know, a good job. that's nice. Well, it seems, I want to say maybe it's inspiring a little creepy, maybe, but uh, okay. Well, it, you know, let's like, let's look at some of the other slate. Yeah, we should. Uh, so let's look at the other slate. Like we said, yeah. um, and another show that I saw, uh, that you were working on, I was really kind of hoping to see it. Cause you know, I think, 80s nostalgia shows do well uh, and that's the reboot of alf yes that's 
That's cool. That seems like it might be a success. What What's it called and, and what's it about? It's, it's called Elf, but two Fs. <laughs> and it's okay. a, it's an, he's an alien. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the old Elf loved to eat cats. Classic. Hilarious. Uh, new Elf is not like, you know, they, I didn't want to get any grief from the animal rights people. You know, they're, they can be Smart. crazy. Uh, so I switched that up. So he just okay. condemns Israel. <laughs> okay. You know, he, he takes his cue from the UN and, uh, and that's, that's his little shtick, you know? So he's like from the river to the sea, wipe them away. Yeah. That kind of stuff. Right. Uh, that's just, <laughs> They're just trying to start some hijinks, like with the, you know, the son who didn't finish his homework or something. And, and Alf says that. Yeah. He's like, get them out. Free Palestine. Oof. Yeah. That's, and why, so it's Alf with two Fs. Why, that feels like a different name. Why, why that title? Because uh, the Alf people said they were going to sue us if we did Alf with one F. <laughs> so you didn't, you didn't get the rights for the original Alf. No, I tried. I tried. I went to them. I said, listen, I got this premise, blah, 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 this and that. They're like, dude, I, we will sue the hell out of you if you, if you try that. I'm and, like, no, and, come on. I'm like, it, 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 <laughs> Sorry. And just tell me the premise. Like, you know, what was it, your elevator pitch with these guys? Like, what's the, I'd love to hear that snappy premise. I was just like, hey, um, what, that thing you did years ago, I, I want to mm-hmm. do it again. Is that cool? That was your premise. Yeah, because I mean, I didn't know a lot about it. I'd never really seen the show, right? And and, um, and he was freaked out because I was in his kitchen, and he's just like, he's like, dude, what are you talking? I'm like, I want to do a new Alf. I want to do a new Alf. It's the 21st century. It's time for a new Alf. What do you say, bro? Okay. And he's, he's like, don't call me, bro. I don't know who I get out of my kitchen. And uh, I was, and he's like, and if you dare try calling it Alf, I, you know, I have a team of lawyers. I'll come after you. And I'm like, well, then I won't. <laughs> I kicked over. His umbrella stand. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. Well, that's, um, uh, you know, it's something. Again, I can sort of see why NBC is scrambling. You know, can you tell me, uh, I guess you had, uh, you were working on some sort of new uh, reality show, uh, you know, called the, um, the, the inspirational singers, which is a terrible name for a show. Yeah, that is bad. And I'm sorry for that. It was the best. I could, you know, I had a deadline for the name, <laughs> and you know, I was literally running up the stairs to the meeting, and I had nothing to work with. Uh-huh. And I'm just like, and then I, you know, and then I just burst into the room, and I just said the first <laughs> thing that came to my mind: the inspirational singers. Okay. And they immediately filed the paperwork, <laughs> and ran, you know, got their PR people to start working on it. So it was a straight to series pickup. Yeah. And wow. so, uh, basically, you know, we, we, people audition, uh, the idea being you want to be an inspirational singer, mm-hmm. uh, to, to, and inspire somebody to do something. So right. of course, you know, everybody has a different take on what that should be. Mm-hmm. So, you know, one you know, woman, she sang a, a homemade song about brushing your teeth, brush your teeth, brush them real good. If you don't, Brush them, they'll fall out of your mouth and you'll die alone. And it's like, 
Um, <laughs> you know, just songs like that. You know, other people like, you know, you know, don't forget to study for homework or, mm-hmm. you know, or, you know, make sure you have some kids. Otherwise, no one will push your wheelchair when you're 80, you know, that kind of stuff. Well, it's kind of more cautionary than inspirational. Yeah. I mean, I was like, I was like, I feel like I was guilted into having kids just because you made me feel like I, I wouldn't be mobile. <laughs> now I have six kids and I'm like, oh, I feel like I overdid it. So you're drawing from your own life experience. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's one way to sell a show. I, I guess I get that. Okay. I, I don't know. Some of these shows have got to stick. You know, I, I got to believe that uh, you've got a real chance to save NBC uh, primetime. And, and I wish you luck with that. Yeah. I mean, it was something my dad taught me as a kid. He's like, if you throw enough poop at the wall, something's going to stick to the wall. But isn't it usually poop? Yeah, no. The, and that explains why I need a, a paint distributor in my room. Hey, Brian. So I, I understand that uh, your oldest son has just started college. My oldest son has gone off to college. I went and dropped him off at the old college and uh, filled up the, the bins and with stuff from the car and then wheeled them in and helped him uh, unpack in his, in his little dorm room. Yep. Um, which looks, yeah. I, I mean, I'm sure he likes it. I mean, to me, it looked a little run down, but that building's been around for like 100 years. So I understand. Sure. So how did how was leaving him? How was um, the sep- the official separation? Uh, it was it was sad. Mm-hmm. You know, because I, you know, I I unloaded the car into the bins. You know, we had, yep. and he's like, "Okay, Dad, I'll take it from here." I'm oh. Like, no, no, it's fine. I'll I'll go I'll go with you. And he's like, "No, no, I'm good." I'm like, no, no, it's fine. Really? It's no big deal. Like, yeah, yeah, I drove all this way. I'll, I'll just I'll, I'll help push these tubs. He's like, no, I'm good. Leave me. You can leave me now. And, it, and I'm just like, I, I want to help you. I want to help you. So he, he starts pushing the thing and he's, he, I'm trying to help him push the other one. He's like, it's okay, dad. And, and then um, I, you know, I was like, no, it's not, it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. And I just kept walking towards the dorm. And then he's like, it's okay, dad. And then we got inside the dorm and a lot of, you know, all these kids milling about everywhere and stuff. And, you know, and I just saw all these young, fresh faces, you know, this exciting, this time. And, yeah. and, and then, and I could, I just burst into tears and, you know, I, I started, I was crying and I was sweating and I was wet. And so I took my shirt off and I'm crying, you know, and my son's like, dad, it's good to go back to the car, dad. Oh man. And, uh, and, and we, I pushed my way through the crowd of these kids and I just kept pointing. I said, that's my boy. He's going away to college. <laughs> and, and, you know, they all just kind of looked at me and then they looked at him. There was a lot of videos being made. I knew I was going to wind up on social media. <laughs> cool. And, you know. And I just, you know, I don't know what I was thinking. Maybe I thought there was a pool, but I kicked off my shoes. I took off my shorts and I'm like, let's go swimming. Last time swimming. I want to go swimming with my boy. And, you know, mm-hmm. and my, my son was, he seemed mortified in retrospect. And uh, he, he was trying to just make his way to his room. And I was just insisting on crying and following him in my underpants. And it was just, uh, you know, it was a sad time, you know, you, all this time I spent raising him and here I am yeah. dropping him off at school. Uh, you know, everybody's kind of got their eye on me. I've, I've got, the, you know, I'm making a moment. Yeah. You know, and he's in his room and he had locked me out of it. And I was like pounding on the door, screaming. 
and screaming his name and screaming and screaming. And you know, the whole hallway is just kind of looking at me and yeah, uh, I can hear him. I can hear him in there just trying to unpack. And, and I just, I just want to help. I just want to help. I just want to help right. you. I'm your dad. I'm your dad. I'm pounding on the door. Uh, and then, you know, I did, I went outside and I stood outside the window and I, I held a boombox <laughs> over my head and, and just and blasted it. And, and, you know, and I, I could see that he, he, out of the side of his eye, he saw me, but he just pretended he was unpacking. You used the term um, that he was mortified. I mean, like yeah. what, that seems like an overreaction to be honest with you. I, like I'm a dad. I, 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 I certainly think that what is he mortified of you being a great father? Like what, what's the, you know, that's what I don't, you know, his expression su suggested that he was maybe incredibly embarrassed that I was creating this scene in his eyes uh, at his brand new college. And, you know, he's, he's now in this dorm, all these people looking at me in my underpants and, and him uh, clearly uh, my son. And, and, you know, I, I think he was worried that he, you know, I might've been, you know, embarrassing him kind of, setting well, things off on the wrong foot. No, and, you know, no. I, I disagree. Yep. And that's why I started calling him a Nazi, <laughs> you know, cause I, I felt like, you know, he, he was making me look bad in front of these people and that's what Nazis yeah. do. That's so, right. And if it, someone disagrees with you, they're a Nazi. They're a Nazi and a fascist. I use those terms interchangeably. Smart. Uh, they they mean the same thing, and it's just so. I, that's you know, for the next couple of days as I stormed about his dorm. Um, you know, I, I let him know in no uncertain terms that I, I loved him and missed him, but he was a Nazi and a fascist. Damn, for making me look bad. I mean, it's I don't see the alternate side of that argument. I mean, I think you're spot on. Thank you. You're welcome. When and you attended first day of class with him. Yeah, I just wanted to see what he's learning. Um, you know, he uh, he begged me not to. Um, and I, I just told him, listen, you know, uh, my passion is whatever this class is. And he was like, Dad, you don't even know what this class is about. Please leave me alone. Let me start my college career. Uh, this is humiliating. You're embarrassing yourself. You're embarrassing me. You know, the usual stuff you hear when you're right. in your underpants. And um you know, I, I, I insisted, I'm like, listen, I'm here to learn just as much as you. Nice. And who's to say, maybe I'll learn more in this class and I'll get a better grade. And he's like, dad, you don't, oh. you're not attending college. You're not attending this class. Please leave me be blah, blah, blah. But then of course I had a, I had to prove a point. Yeah. It's yeah. It's a teaching moment. Yeah. Well, so, good for you. What, what, yeah. what class was it? Gender studies. <laughs> okay sure that's i that i imagine that's required for all um kids starting out in college now it's it's an introductory class and you know and i just stood up and i said uh you know listen i'm a man mm -hmm. i think that's obvious <laughs> and you know i i the teacher stood up and said i how do you know right and then out came the thing. And then next thing I know, security's on top of me. And that's the last time I audited that class. It's a tale as old as time, man. You know, it's, it's classic woke BS that you can't whip your penis out in a gender studies class in Biden's America. I was trying to prove a point. <laughs>
Like, I'm an you XY, dude. I'm an XY. Look at this. That's yep. the Y. And then, and then my son said, why are you doing this, dad? And you know, to me. Oh, is that like a little comedy routine you guys have? It didn't look like comedy to me. <laughs> it, you know, he, he was not, I didn't get the sense that he was trying to tee me up for a joke or kind of uh, <laughs> riffing off me in any way. I mean, his, his eyes were kind of red, puffy. Uh, it seemed to me that he was FaceTiming his mother <laughs> and, and, you know, which was unfortunate because I had told her I was in Las Vegas. <laughs> That's right. You told her you were going on a, on a, a prostitute romp to cover up for the fact that you were taking your son to school. Yes. All right. Well, keep her guessing. That's fun. I love that you guys have that energy. Uh, you know, it, it, it adds to the relationship. It, it adds, you know, an element of mystery keeps things interesting. Things can get stale. They can get boring. Yeah. You mix it yep. up. Yep. Well, absolutely. Well, so, you know, I bring up college, not necessarily to talk about, you know, you and your unappreciative son, but, uh, you know, one of perhaps your favorite politician in the history of, um, of our great nation is, uh, Bill de Blasio. Yes. I, I know you're Bill yep. de Blasio. Oh, here we go again. I know. Yep. Uh, obviously New York's greatest mayor. Now, yep. uh, of course you saw, you've got the Google alerts on your phone that, um, uh, this fall. So, which is now we've, the school year has started. Uh, mm -hmm. Bill de Blasio is going to yes. be a fellow at Harvard university at Harvard's what Institute a, of politics. What a fellow he is. Yeah. You pay in $54,000 a year for yep. Harvard. Yep. And, uh, they're going to wheel out Bill de Blasio to educate you. <laughs> So do you know, um, I know because you're such a fan, you sort of, you must know something about the, the class that he's teaching. Yep. What's the, um, you know, because I'd love to, you know, see if I could maybe do an online. I don't, I don't know if Harvard has online uh, classes. I assume they do. Um, I'd love to potentially, you know, take it myself. Can you tell us the name of the class and, and what are some of the things that um, Professor de Blasio is going to be doing? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's called a, a strategy for unity. Oh, okay. And the class centers on taking people, uh, regardless of their political persuasion, mm -hmm. uh, race, ethnicity, whatever, and uniting mm -hmm. them into one, uh, one goal, one concept, one idea. Oh. So his, and his, his, his what he's, he's drawing from, uh, you know, he's using a hypothetical where uh, somebody comes in and by the time uh, they're finished uh, with their job, everyone hates him. Everyone. Mm -hmm. From the left of the spectrum, the right of the spectrum, the center, you know, it just, it, he's unified everyone. From what I hear, his, uh, his office hours are, are very uh, unique, very, um, he, he took sort of a lot of the, the vibe and, and policies from New York City into his office hours. Can you sort of, you know, tell us about what it's like visiting uh, Mayor de Blasio uh, in his office? Yeah, I mean, if he's there, it, he'll be there from like, you know, usually around late 11-ish, um, noon-ish, <laughs> till about 3.30-ish. <laughs> With, of course, a lunch break. There's a lunch break in between. Oh, okay, of course. Um, from but, uh, from know, noon to 2.30? Yeah, because he likes to have lunch in a different city. So Harvard, of course, is 
is in Cambridge, but he likes to drive to Taunton for lunch. <laughs> okay. I'm sure we have three listeners who will get that reference. That's exciting. Okay. So, and then he's back. Okay. So I get his hours. That's, that's great. It sounds like he's putting in a, a full de Blasio day. Yeah. What, um, you know, but what else, what sort of the, the energy, if, if you come in, you know, if a student like me came in, just sort of a, you know, a, uh, an enthusiastic um, fan of politics. I'm just a, a white uh, boy, 19 years old, uh, yep. anxious to learn. W- what am I going to find in his office? Uh, weed. <laughs> there's like a, okay. there's like a little, little, um, like a, looks like a coffee can. Mm-hmm. And you just peel off the top. And it's, just, it's just filled with weed. <laughs> That he's selling to me, like is I, I don't really understand. No, he just what he's he likes. He's um, you know, he he. It's a way one copes with, um, you know, things like being loathed. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's, right. It's, so you know, it's a it's kind of like a release valve for him. He's under a lot of pressure. Yep, got a lot of a lot of people. You know, not fond of you. So you you, you smoke some pot. You, yep. You, squandered 860 million dollars somehow and there's no no answer for it where did it go puff yep. puff it makes a lot of sense it does okay yeah no it sure does and um you know what, what, what if you ran into mayor de blasio on like on the quad you know what's he um you know what's he doing i hear it's sort of a a memorable experience to sort of see him out and about among the students well he's very tall Mm-hmm. Yes, I've met him. That's true. And, and there's not a ton of brain wattage going on. That's so also he likes true. to he likes to pretend that he's Frankenstein. <laughs> and so that's go, kind go of on. his thing. He just okay. he stumbles around the Harvard Quad and kind of does this groaning, grunting, Frankenstein kind of thing, and sees if anybody picks up on it. And if they do, <laughs> he tries to strangle them. Uh, it's just straight peculiar, man. I, I don't know what else to say about that one. He's a strange duck. If your son is at Harvard, I hope he takes that class. And if not, I hope uh, he transfers to Harvard so he can take that class. You know what? I'm, um, he's debating leaving college. He said for some reason, uh, his classmates, <laughs> are mocking him and, uh, oh, calling him son of culture. a loser. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. it's being bullied relentlessly. Man. Um, the naked dad's kid, <laughs> underpants man's son, and it's just like it's—they're mean. You'd think these kids—they they, they just come up with whatever, anything they can. They're just whatever it takes. They're just mean spirited kids. Like, where do they even come up with that stuff? I don't know. I've been asking them. I've been—I put on a little disguise, and I—I I was allowed back in the dorm, and I've been walking up and down the floors asking where they come up with this stuff. And now, now uh-huh. he's called Creepo's son. <laughs> oh, that's well, Creepo's son. You can't account for kids, Brian. I guess I don't understand this generation. No, I, I think that's exactly what this is. It's just a weird generational thing. Yeah. Well, you know, don't, don't kick yourself, buddy. You've done nothing wrong. I, I tell myself that every day. I, I know. I've, I've, I used to share an office with you. I heard that a lot. A lot. 
It's how you get through the day if you don't have a coffee can filled with weed. Well, Brian, you know, it's awfully uh, fun to have done uh, this episode with you. You know, thank you for, for, you know, such great work. And um, it's good to be back, buddy. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to start getting more regular. Is that the thing? Yes, now that I can unpack. Now you're unpacked I, in your house, Mr. Busy Pants. Yep. Yes, Mr. Busy Pants. I will still be busy, but I will not be busy packing houses and unhooking internet. And I won't be between houses for a month and uh, all sorts of things. So we're we're back to the regular. Excuses, excuses is what they're all saying. I'm uh, hearing it. That's true. F you that's is what, what they're saying. <laughs> that's what your son should say. He's going to F you. <laughs> <laughs> That was Questionable Material with Jack and Brian. Subscribe on any podcast platform. Watch our clips on YouTube. Visit us at qmpodcast.com. 